Welcome to Sermon Buzz, the sermons of Anniston First United Methodist Church in podcast format. This morning, we start a brand new sermon series. It's called, What Child Is This? The Early Years of Jesus. We want to take a look at some of those things that shaped and formed the young Jesus, things that often get lost between the beauty and the serenity of baby Jesus in a manger and him grown and starting his ministry following his baptism. So for the next few weeks, we want to look at a little more detail into the life of Jesus in those earliest of years. Today, we're looking at Jesus in the home. What was the family life of Jesus like as a youngster? I have two scripture passages this morning. I don't often pull two together, but there was no way to bring the information that we wanted together without it. I am in the second chapter of Matthew, verses 13 through 15, and then 19 through 23. Then I will go over to the gospel of Mark in chapter six. Hear the word of the Lord. Now, after they, the Magi, had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream And said, get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night and went to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, out of Egypt I have called my son. When Herod died, An angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were seeking the child's life are dead. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. We're going to go over to to the Gospel of Mark in chapter 6. Jesus is preaching in his hometown. He is speaking in... Um, the synagogue on the Sabbath. He left that place and came to his hometown and his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were astounded. They said, where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is not this, this carpenter, the son of Mary? the brother of James and Joses and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? This is the word of God for the people of God. As I said, we're looking into the young early life of Jesus. We notice immediately after his birth, last week we talked about the Magi coming and finding him in the home and worshiping him and bringing their gifts In today's passage, immediately after that, an angel comes to his father, to his earthly father, Joseph, and says, you need to flee for Herod's going to try to destroy the child. So Jesus, Mary, and Joseph get up and they flee into the land of Egypt where they stay for several years at least. So Jesus spends his earliest times as a foreigner as a refugee living in a foreign country, out of pocket and out of place. And when they returned back to Israel, when Herod had died, they settled in Nazareth, which was the city of Mary. While they are gone to Egypt, 
a horrible thing happens in Israel, in Bethlehem. Those were a, a few verses in there that I skipped over as I read. Herod, who had tried to get the wise men to be complicit in helping him find the baby Jesus, becomes angry when the wise men do not come back that way. And he commands that all the male children in Bethlehem and the surrounding area who were two years of age or under be killed. We call this the massacre of the innocents. This is not a story we often hear. It gets passed over in most of our Advent and Christmas discussions because there is something about the death of children that does not fit with the birth of the Christ child. It mars this very beautiful manger picture, but it is part of the reality of the life of Jesus. The Savior coming was tragic to some. I try to imagine what it would have been like to be Jesus as a youngster, knowing that there were children who were missing in Bethlehem, a missing generation, a gap of children who weren't there, parents' hearts who mourned and grieved because of him, because he had been born there. It wasn't Jesus' fault. It was Herod's doing. Nevertheless, there would have been mothers who looked at this son growing up with Mary and Joseph and wondered what their own child, their own son, might have looked like or done or said. How would that impact someone to live with that? We here in the United States have had school shootings and mass shootings where people are lost and there are people missing in our lives. Even the 9-11 incident in our country leaves us with gaps of people that we wonder what they would have been like, it had to have affected Mary and Joseph. I said in a sermon a couple of weeks ago that I believe when Mary and Joseph traveled to Bethlehem for the census and Jesus was born while they were there, that I believe that Joseph was and Mary were staying with members of Joseph's family. If they had to go back there because they were of the house of David, and that's where David's family and descendants were, then they most likely stayed with family. And that upper room where there was no room would have been the guest room in the house. So it would have been relatives, cousins, second cousins, third cousins, neighbors and friends whose children were victims of this crisis that occurs while they're gone to Egypt. I wonder if that's one of the reasons, other than the prophecies of Scripture, why when they return, they now go back and live with Mary's family. I believe Mary escaped all the sideways glances and the gossip when she first becomes pregnant by spending a few months with her um, relative Elizabeth, who is also pregnant. But now, now that Jesus is born, they go home to that area and raise him. We also know from Scripture, the second passage that I read in Mark chapter 6, that Jesus had siblings. He is the oldest of at least seven children there. In that Scripture passage, they named four brothers, are not his brothers among us, and are not his sisters also here. So there were at least two sisters. So there were at least six other siblings in the picture. One of the discussions in the church becomes, were these Joseph's children by a previous marriage, or are these children born to Mary after Jesus is born? 
Scripture tells us that Joseph did not take Mary to be his wife in that way until after Jesus was born. But there is a tradition in Christianity that Mary remained a perpetual virgin, that she and Joseph were never together in that way. It is the conviction of the Roman Catholic Church, but it was also the conviction of some of our Christian leaders of the past, Martin Luther, John Calvin, and even Methodism's own John Wesley believed that Mary remained a perpetual version. However, most of us believe that following Jesus' birth, Joseph took her as his wife, they had other children, and that these siblings are half-brothers and half-sisters of Jesus, born to Mary, sharing the mother but not the father. In other areas of the world, you can see this if you look at a nativity set. If the nativity set portrays Joseph as being older, with gray hair and maybe lines on his face, next to the young Mary at the manger, it's a Catholic nativity set. If, however, Joseph is young like Mary, two young children who have married, young adults, then it is a Protestant nativity set. Here in the United States, most things have become so mass-produced that it's really difficult to tell either of that. But it's an interesting tradition that impacts the way we view the family that Jesus grew up in. It also says, is not this Jesus the son of the carpenter or the carpenter? In that time period, a young boy would have followed in his father's footsteps, studied the same area of work that the father did, and taken over his business and his trade as they got older. And we use the word carpenter to translate the Greek word tekton. We think in terms of a cabinet maker, a person who makes tables and cabinets and beautiful benches and things out of wood. In that area of the world, they wouldn't work with wood as much as they would with other materials. The Greek word tekton actually means artisan or craftsman, someone who works with their hands to create things of beauty and utility. Many scholars believe that what Joseph and Jesus prior to his ministry actually were, were stone workers. They carved things out of stone. I don't know that it really matters whether they were workers with wood or workers with stone or workers with both. But there's this idea that Jesus followed in his earthly father's footsteps, learning that trade prior to beginning his ministry. So what's my point in sharing all of this other than the fact that I just simply love the details of Scripture and digging into what it says? My point is that there are things we can learn from the early life of Jesus. So what are those things? One is that family is complicated and that there can be more than one definition of family. We often have this very Norman Rockwell picture of a family ideal. I used to really struggle with that, especially at the, around the holidays. I wanted to create these perfect, wonderful memories of holidays and something would happen. I would burn the meal, I would break the plate, I would forget to purchase something that needed to go with it. I would in some way mar it and I would think, oh, I've ruined this. But we still have the memory of being together. 
of sharing love, of sharing special times together. There are many of us that feel we come from a family that is broken or ruined or in some way marred, and we are forgetting that love is expressed in the middle of those imperfections, perhaps even more perfectly than in a perfect situation. For God came in the person of Jesus Christ into the middle of our mess, into the middle of our imperfection to bring light and love to us. Because we just finished talking about the manger and in our minds we have this perfect nativity scene with Mary and Joseph and a baby laying quietly in a manger of hay. We have shepherds and wise men and animals and it is such a beautiful, warm, fuzzy picture. But if we continue to dig into scripture, we see that all was not sweetness and light. There was much that was not perfect about this situation, and yet a perfect Savior is present in the midst of it. The reality is that Jesus was part of a blended family. Whether you believe in the perpetual virginity of Mary and believe that the the other siblings were Joseph's children by a previous marriage, or whether you believe that these were the children born to Mary and Joseph after Jesus, it's still a blended family. There's still multiple siblings. Jesus is either the oldest of the siblings or the youngest of those siblings. But I wonder what it would have been like to be part of this family. Many of us have dysfunctional families. We have difficult families. But they are our family. And we experience God's love and grace right in the middle of the messiness that can be our families. And many of our families have experienced crises, difficult times. 2020, the year we just completed, was a very difficult year for many. Many of us lost loved ones to the COVID-19 crisis. We lost jobs. We lost the opportunity for memories. We have had other health issues and life circumstances that have impacted us. And our families have been forever changed by the things that we experience. And in some ways, we may want to say, it's all ruined. What I had hoped, what I wanted, what I worked so hard to create is ruined. Nothing is ever ruined with God. When our life falls to pieces, God picks up those pieces and puts them right back together. We may now be a mosaic instead of the original but beautiful and precious and valuable nonetheless. Our families of origin shape us. They impact who we are. The things we experience change who we are, how we respond, the things we've gone through. But our families of origin, however difficult, dysfunctional, or messy our history may be, they do not dictate who we have to be. Those things do not have to define us. Each and every one of us was created in the image of God. We are redeemed by a Savior who loves us, who came into the messiness of the human life experience to give us hope and love and peace. All those things we talked about in Advent. And now when we come to Jesus, 
we get God's Holy Spirit to live within us, to lead us and to guide us. Who we are and how we've been shaped by our families and our life experiences do not have to dictate who we can be in Christ and because of the Spirit of God. Nature has a role to play in our lives. We inherit things like hair color, eye color, body type, tendencies, some health issues we inherit through nature. Nurture certainly has a place. We learn how to respond to things by watching the people in our life. We go through things that teach us how to respond or teach us how not to respond. Certainly nurture has a role to play, but they are not the only ones that have a role to play. We have our own ability to make choices. God has given each one of us free will and a self-will to choose to follow God, to choose to believe what God says about us, and to choose to become the people that God calls us to be. And God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are stronger than nature and nurture. Nature has a role, nurture does as well, but God's Holy Spirit and our free will embracing of it is stronger. You are not dictated who you must be by your past. You are only limited by how you allow your past to limit you. I hope that as you dig into the early life of Jesus, as you look and go back to these scriptures and look at Jesus' own family, you will find the hope to become who God calls you to be. Jesus did not continue to work with stone or wood in his father's, in his earthly father's example. He followed the call of God on his life to go into ministry. Your past does not dictate your present or your future. Only your willingness to allow God to create who God wants you to be limits you. Let's pray. Almighty, gracious, and loving God, we give you thanks for your presence with us. Thank you for capturing in Scripture these little tidbits of what Jesus' early life was. They remind us that all in our lives may not be easy or simple, but that you are present with us through it all. I ask, O oh Lord, that you would help us to discover you, that you would lead and guide us to take all that we have experienced in our lives through nurture, all that we are because of nature and what we have inherited, and give them to you, that you might use them to help us become who you want us to be. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information about Aniston First, visit us at anistonfirst.info connect with us on Facebook or visit our YouTube channel.